right, folks, you're very welcome along to the Benchwarmers podcast, the co-production between the Benchwarmers.ie and Cork's Red FM. Rory O'Hagan alongside Neville O'Donoghue. Rory, how are you? And Aidan O'Sullivan joins us by the wonders that is the mobile phone. How are we doing, gents? Okay. All good, my man, all good. It was a busy weekend of sport, as it usually is. A uh, lot to cover on the show tonight. We're going to be talking about Conor McGregor very, very shortly. Uh, we're going to wrap up uh, a great weekend for Leicester in the Premier League. Going to look ahead to the Champions League. And we're going to talk about the big, big Europa League game happening this week between Liverpool and Manchester United. So a lot to cover on the show over the next 40 minutes or thereabouts. Glad you could join us here on the Benchwarmers podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and we're on Stitcher as well. All right, gents, there's only one place to start uh, today's discussion, I think. And that is with Conor McGregor's defeat to Nate Diaz. Aidan, uh, I know you're a big McGregor fan, a big MMA fan. What was your reaction when you saw that happen? I think it was one of surprise after the first round. I think in the first rounds, McGregor looked really, really comfortable. Uh, he sat on his stool. He was talking to his coaches. He was smiling. He was looking over at Diaz, who was bloodied, um, who had taken a lot of punishment. And he looked really, really comfortable. What happened in the second round is he got rocked with a big punch. It hurt him. A couple more punches followed. He actually went for the takedown on Diaz, which was very, very unusual. And once they got mm. to the floor, as I said last week, the jiu-jitsu skills are not there from Conor McGregor. He gave up his back. And once the chokehold was locked in, that was it. It was curtains for him. But I think it was a combination of a bigger man used to taking bigger punches and on the opposite side of things, McGregor taking bigger punches from Diaz. So what was your take on it, Rory? I, I quite enjoyed the fight, to be honest. Um, just even I, I, as a spectacle, I thought it was a great fight the thing about um, Diaz's jiu-jitsu versus Conor McGregor's jiu-jitsu there's an old saying in MMA that you take a black belt you punch him in the face he becomes a brown belt you take a brown belt you punch him in the face he becomes a purple belt <laughs> purple belt becomes a blue belt blue belt becomes a white belt so you punch a guy in the face long enough he's not going to be able to defend himself properly which is what we saw um, with McGregor um, on Saturday night he got rocked by a very basic combination it's the most basic combination in boxing. It's a straight one-two uh, in, in Diaz's case because he's a southpaw. It's a right followed by a left hand. Uh, McGregor caught, caught by that several times due to um, the reach advantage that Diaz possessed. Uh, no doubt about that. However, uh, a lot of it was cockiness on the part of Conor McGregor. He stood in the pocket right in front of Diaz with his hands low. I know that's McGregor's style. But you're fighting a guy with such excellent boxing as Nate Diaz. You don't stand in the pocket. You don't stand with your hands down looking to be punched in the face. McGregor did that. And when that left hand connected and wobbled McGregor, he just didn't recover. Couldn't shake the cobwebs. And instead of retreating and trying to get his breath back and try and shake his head uh, and get back, to get his senses back about him, McGregor just kept pushing forward it. And that was his downfall. Instead of just retreating circling around Diaz uh, and using his footwork to escape it allowed Diaz to continue that onslaught and again it was just that straight one two right left uh, caught McGregor several times and uh, we saw the Stockton slap come out a couple of times as well which is quite amusing that open palm right hand into the face of McGregor and uh, as you said just seeing McGregor shoot for that takedown um, I was like I knew he was done then at that point he had 74 yeah. seconds on the clock to defend he wasn't going to do it because Nate Diaz is a superb grappler he's a superb Brazilian jiu-jitsu exponent and um, just as soon as he got uh, on the ground McGregor tried to get uh, tried to get out of that high elbow guillotine couldn't do it 
and then the transition from Diaz just into Mount was spectacular a couple of punches uh, McGregor gave up his back another punch uh, he turned his head just enough for Diaz to sink in his right arm to get that choke I thought it was absolutely beautiful work from Diaz it was, a, it was a great fight. It was really, really interesting to see a champion move up two weight divisions as well. I think a lot of respect has to go to McGregor um, for taking that uh, fight when uh, Dos Anjos had actually pulled out of the, of the lightweight boat. I think McGregor was very, very cocky. I think he thought he could go in and dismantle Diaz so, so quickly. Mm. Um, and he was very, very confident after the first round. I think he said himself um, after the fight that if those punches had connected with any of the opponents in the featherweight division, that they would have been out of there. And I think that was the difference. It was a bigger man, as you mentioned, Rory, a longer reach, able to take these punches. And in fairness to Diaz, he took some big punches from McGregor, but you know he just walked straight past them and walked straight into them and, and just kept on coming. And I think Diaz was always going to be in there unless he was going to get knocked out. And once the big the big left came in which rocked McGregor it, I think it really really stunned him and as you said he didn't revert into a defensive game plan he just stood there and he kept the hands low and he kept the hands low for the whole fight actually that's just a style though w- w- once he went for that takedown I knew he was I knew it w- once he went in for the takedown because that is not McGregor's strong point at all he likes to strike he likes to stand up tall he likes to walk around he, he did try a couple of spinning wheel kicks which if they had connected would have uh, would have certainly hurt Diaz but he missed with them so I think uh, it, it it was a combination of some overconfidence and obviously the lack of jiu-jitsu on the floor. Um, just on the, the weight issue thing and the whole jumping up to weight classes, I think that's been slightly misrepresented this week in that, fair enough, yeah, he was fighting at 170 pounds, but these were two lightweights who just didn't cut weight to get to lightweight, if you understand me. McGregor weighed in at 168 pounds. That's 13 pounds over the lightweight limit. He would lose that in a weight cut during the week, so he didn't... It's not really that he jumped up two weight classes, it's that he was just a lightweight who didn't didn't bother cutting weight if you know what I mean maybe maybe perhaps we're, we're looking too much into it I think from a McGregor point of view he's still a world champion you know he, he even though he has been defeated he still had the world championship belt at a press conference after the fight so for him there are bigger he got a big paycheck but there are bigger and better things to come from him I'm just wondering will he come back as a more humble McGregor or will he stay <laughs> the same confident cocky out there McGregor what do you think I think we've seen that he won't be coming back a more humble um, Conor McGregor <laughs> because on Instagram today right um, he posted up a picture saying it was a defeat, yada, 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 um, um, sad, yada, yada, yada. But he then started calling out uh, Rafael Dos Anjos and he started calling out um, Jose Aldo. It says, and I quote, and I forgive me now for the uh, bad language, I'm just repeating what Conor McGregor has said. Aldo, you are a pussy. Dos Anjos, you are a pussy. When the history books are written, I showed up, you showed up on Twitter. So I don't think he's going to be quiet when he's um, looking for other fights. That's the interesting thing about the about Saturday night, and it, it, it's kind of a weak analogy, but I can kind of see the um, this, the relevance in it somewhat. In that, you could almost equate Saturday's fight to a preseason friendly, and that. If you lose, yeah, you lose, but it's still a free season friendly. There wasn't all that much riding on it because it was Nate Diaz, there was no title on the line. McGregor still has that featherweight belt. He now has two very, very exciting fights waiting for him at £145, that being the rematch with Jose Aldo or about with uh, Frankie Edgar, which I would love to see uh, as uh, just a fight fan. That would be an incredible fight, I think. Uh, and then 
looking at lightweight, McGregor, I think, needs those two wins against Edgar and against Aldo to get back in the lightweight conversation. I think Diaz should get a shot against Rafael Dos Anjos uh, with that win. Uh, they'll fight for the lightweight belt. McGregor could then face them, the winner of them, um, at lightweight. So there's plenty of interesting fights still left for Conor McGregor. However, uh, that aura of invincibility has gone. Um, I think that people kind of may have seen the, the blueprint to beat him after um, Diaz on Saturday. And I think his drawing power will be lessened a little bit after Saturday night. But it was very, very interesting stuff. We're going to hear from both guys now, actually. Uh, we're going to hear from McGregor first, and then we're going to hear from Nate Diaz. Um, you know, it's a, it's a bitter, bitter pill to swallow. Um, I, I, t- I took a shot. I went, went at it. Um, I feel... I was simply inefficient with my energy. Usually, I fight a man in in the division I am champion in, and they they crumble under those shots. Um, but Nate took them very well. The big the the weight, I think, allowed him to take those shots well. So I think with a little bit of uh, an adjustment and a recognition that the bigger man, you must be a bit more efficient with your striking. You must not put everything into the shots. Um, but I was simply inefficient with my energy. I made some errors. I know there's a lot of people celebrating this um, in the featherweight division. There are many people celebrating another man's victory. It's something that I cannot understand how somebody not involved can celebrate another man's victory. At the end of the day, I am the featherweight world champion. I feel it is right to go back down and remind them um, of what what I achieved and what I done to that division. And but. I am not forgetting about the 155-pound division. I am not certainly forgetting about the 170-pound division. You know, I didn't have no sparring, so uh, I think I should have dodged uh, that punch a little better. But I had a slow start, so I knew I didn't win. It reminded me when when I fought Kurt Pellegrino, my my corner jumped in, and they were yelling, and I was like, hold up. I'm warmed up now. So uh, I figured it would probably go something like that with a little less damage. No, I knew I was the superior boxer, the, the superior martial artist, uh, superior jiu-jitsu. I've been, came from, like I said, from the beginning. I have the best training partners in the world in every aspect, in boxing, kickboxing, uh, jiu-jitsu, and MMA. So uh, nothing surprised me except for that I got hit at all. All right, so that was McGregor and Diaz there speaking um, after uh, Saturday night's event. Neville, um, you watched it. I know MMA wouldn't be your biggest sport. What did you think of it? I know. First off, it was it was it was a cracking fight. It was nice to get longer than twelve seconds, like you know. <laughs> but um, no, like like McGregor, he said it himself. He did take a big chance in coming up the weight, and it just didn't work out. Like you know, I think the biggest thing for McGregor now is that I think his next fight is even more crucial. You know, if he w- loses two in a row, he won't be as definitely won't be as big a name. But um, I think he's right in the words he said about Aldo. You know, Aldo, Aldo, excuse, he did pussy out of the of his last fight. You know, he he did like I think De Santos was legitimately injured, but like uh, Aldo, he just turned up on social media. Now he's looking for another <laughs> crack because he knows the money McGregor brings. But it was a it was a look at the end of the day. Diaz was a bigger man, you know, you can say what you want, but he had a bigger reach and everything, and um, McGregor, he did all the weights and everything, but naturally Diaz is bigger, you could even see it watching the fight, he was towering over him, but it was a great fight to watch, like, you know. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, I have to say, um, just as a spectacle, I thought it was a very, very interesting fight, 
Um, I love Nate Diaz. I always have loved Nate yeah. Diaz. Um, what do you think McGregor's going to do next now, though? We'll be interested. Yeah, I think Jose Aldo 200 is the fight to make uh, from a money to... point of view. Um, from uh, I think it would be a good draw, and is I'd be interested to see an actual fight between them. So far, he'll go back down to featherweight. Back down to featherweight, yeah. So he'd have to cut that weight again. It's, uh, that cut to featherweight kills him. He it it doesn't suit him. It drains a lot of energy out from him yeah. uh, in fight week. But um, it, it works to his advantage in that he's the bigger guy um in the in the octagon then um against these featherweights. As Nick Diaz said last week in the press conference several times, you knocked out three midgets and you're jumped up, which is what he did. What do you think, Aiden? Is he going to go for uh, Aldo next? Has to be Aldo. I think uh, the Frankie Edgar fight is a really, really interesting fight as well. But I think from a money point of view and a matchmaking point of view, it's got to be uh, it's got to be Jose Aldo. I think McGregor will be fired up. The wake up will be horrible for him to get yeah. back down to featherweight now um, after coming up so high. So that's going to be difficult for him, especially with uh, within this time frame. Mm. But I think it has to be Aldo part two. And of course, Aldo and everybody else now are going to take Conor McGregor to the ground as quickly as possible and test out his jiu-jitsu. So right. while he's doing the weight cut, he needs to do a lot of jiu-jitsu lessons as well at the same time but I think <laughs> McGregor will come back I think that's the kind of character he is I think he'll face the adversary head on and he definitely won't shy away from it and he'll be a guy that is looking to get back into the octagon as quickly as possible so McGregor against Aldo that's the fight to make Actually speaking of Jose Aldo he's been quite vocal on social media as well on his Instagram he uh, tagged Frankie Edgar and said, I heard you were asking for a title shot. I respect you as a fighter, but let's check the facts. You lost twice to Ben Henderson before coming to the 145 division and getting a title shot against me without having fought once in the featherweight division. We had a great fight, but everybody knows the result. You can't come here now and cut the line. You have to wait because you don't have any right to ask for a title shot. McGregor, instead of running up to a different weight division and talking shit about me, you could make your time valuable and go to a real gym to learn real jiu-jitsu. I'll be ready for you at USC 200 so we can leave no doubt. So he's uh, heavily campaigning for that on social media. Uh, just before we leave um, MMA, uh, just a very, very quick word on Misha Tate and Holly Holm, which was an absolute cracker, cracker of a fight. I was on my feet by the time Misha Tate sunk in that rear naked choke. Um, a real Hail Mary effort from her going into the fifth round. She knew she was behind. She needed to, to pull out something. That was brilliant, Aiden, wasn't it? A fantastic fight. Um, I think one of the definitely one of the fights of the year. I think Holly Holm was comfortable in her boxing. I think she was leading going into the final round. As you said, Misha Tate, she had to submit her or knock her out in round five. And I think the mistake came with Holly Holm when she tried to throw her over her, uh, try her over her head uh, to release that grip. And yeah. when she tried it and it didn't work out, it actually worked to Tate's advantage. And I think Holly Holm went out like a champion. There was no tap out there. She was really trying at the end um, to get up. And she was unfortunately, she was actually put to sleep, which shows you how important the referee is inside the mm. octagon. He's, he, he's the main man in there. So he was able to stop it just in time. But she went out like a true, true champion. And it sets up all connotations now if you bring Ronda Rousey back into the mix as well. But definitely one of the fights of the year. Fantastic fight. Yeah, a lot of uh, intriguing storylines coming out of uh, UFC. 196 and uh, as I say looking forward to UFC 200 uh, in July alright lads let's talk Premier League um, this is I think our 6th episode of this podcast yeah. and in every week we've asked the question are Leicester going to win the Premier League um, they are now 5 points clear at the top um, so lads are they? 
Well, I sat down on Saturday evening and I, I said, I, I had to have a look at the running and uh, Leicester's running is very good. Now, I know you can't judge it, but is it nine games to go? And I think they have to play Man United, uh, West Ham and they're like two of the harder games, you know? Like they have Newcastle um, next Monday night they got a great running. It's all set up for Leicester. You know, it's just do they have the bottle now to win it? Yeah, a really interesting stuff. A great. Uh, they've ground out that one nil win at victory at uh, Watford as well. Um, Claudio Ranieri, though, we're going to hear from him now. He's giving us the whole typical. Um, I will not look at any other game bar the next one. Spiel. I don't know the result. I don't know because if you think ah, oh, we if you make uh, something, you say ah, oh, did I can take one point, three point? Nobody say. There, I lose. No. That was Claudio Ranieri there. Um, Aidan, what do you think? I mean, like they're five points clear at the moment. Uh, they're not playing particularly well, uh, but winning games. Yeah, they're, they're grinding out results like champions, dare I say it, <laughs> like champions. Are they going to do it? I, I've been going on about this since Christmas and waiting for them to blow up, and they haven't blown up. And they keep grinding out these results. I thought Maris was absolutely fantastic. I think he. I think if they do win the league, he'll definitely be Player of the Year. He was absolutely brilliant, fantastic goal. You know, we've seen him with his assists and with his fantastic skills that he's got. But these are guys. These are men. These are men that are standing up at the right time and scoring important goals and getting important wins at the right time. And you know, as we say, <laughs> I've been going on about it since Christmas that these guys are going to fall apart. They're not doing it. What do you think, Rory? Can they? Can they keep doing it? I hope so. Um, I've, I've really fallen into this fairy tale uh, narrative that's been written about uh, Leicester over the last couple of weeks. And you love uh, a good fairy tale. I do love a good, fairy, love tale. A good fairy tale. I just hope this one has a happy ending for Leicester. I mean, like five points clear, as we said, of Tottenham. Arsenal, in typical Arsenal fashion, just Arsenal did all day uh, Saturday against Spurs, a goal up, and then that horrific. Um, stupid tackle from Francis Coughlin when there was no need for it to pick up his second yellow card uh, changed the game I felt but a uh, good resolve from Arsenal to come back and pl- pull out a, a draw when they were uh, 2-1 down with uh, 10 men um, but yeah 5 points clear I hope they can do it I'm not entirely sure about their running as uh, Neville said they face Tottenham or they face Newcastle next Monday night um, so that'll be a big game for them but it would be fantastic to see it and as I said it's, um, it's a great story though if I just like make a final point is that like I thought Verdi was on young fella Verdi's 29 you know, he's, <laughs> he's found his form late in his career Robert Hoot he was seen inef- inefficient for Chelsea he's you know playing great stuff uh, same with Schmeichel and goal he was with Man City inefficient you know it's it's a great story Ranieri he got the boot when Chelsea got all the money you know it's I think everyone would love to see it for the great stories within the squad yeah it would be absolutely fantastic um, elsewhere um, a major talking point yesterday was Christian Benteke dive or not Aiden. <laughs> dive or not well I'll put it this way there was contact but the contact was minimal um, to be fair I think he was interviewed after mm-hmm. Benteke and he said I think there was contact I think he touched think. me so look when, w- once he felt the wind blowing around his ankle <sighs> he, he was gone um, Alan Pardew was absolutely fuming after the game really really upset with the decision and it was a tough one for Crystal Palace to take having said that when the penalty was given Benteke took it really really well and uh, that was a of course nice they're setting, it was. yeah it was a beautiful pen and they're setting themselves up for the Europa League game against Manchester United but a very very important three points for Liverpool who are definitely looking at those Champions League spots as well Right uh, speaking of Alan Pardew as Aidan said he was a very very angry man afterwards There's no way that contact warrants that dive and he's interviewed after and he's handing over man of the match to the other player you're going oh come on 
the media really needs to go, that is wrong, in my opinion. But they won't. They'll go, oh, Pardew was berating it and, uh, you know, moaning and making excuses. I genuinely think that he's bought that penalty and he's got it. Yeah, not really mincing his words there. Said it was a blatant dive there, did Alan Pardew. Um, Jurgen Klopp, though, um, says it was a penalty. Unlucky for, for, for the uh, Crystal Palace player because but he touched with the knee, but it's with the knee. So that's how it is in, 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 the, in the box. You, you, it's not allowed to go down early because then everything can happen. That's what he did. If you stay in the race with Christian, I think it's not a big chance, but so it happened. And, yeah. So we have the two managers there. We've got Alan Pardew saying it wasn't. Uh, Jurgen Klopp saying it was. Uh, Damien Delaney saying he didn't touch him. Christian Matheke saying it was he did uh, on first viewing I thought it was a blatant dive on second viewing Delaney catches him it is, um, yeah. uh, and uh, it's a, it, by by the letter of the law it's a penalty I put up a picture last night in Ben Schwarmers it was funny of Ben Teke jumping into a swimming pool at Anfield and um, mm. but if you uh, one of the Liverpool fans actually put up the picture in the comments and he did actually you could see it quite clearly in the picture that he did catch him like Ben Teke did the right thing he did the right thing for his team he got a penalty but I'd have to feel for Perdue like it was daylight robbery the first goal was an awful slip from the goalkeeper and then the second one you know it was a harsh penalty so you know Liverpool got out of jail big time there yeah big time um, but yeah a very valuable three points for Liverpool what about Crystal Palace's form they were fifth at the start of the year yeah, they're they're going bad big time like aren't they? So I like I rate Pardew big time. You can see uh what Newcastle like what he, the job he he did with Newcastle to keep him up like, you know. And mm. um but he, he got out of there and he did a good job at Crystal Palace, but their form now of late is slipping. Like it's it's definitely a, whatever about being the best league in the world is definitely the most competitive and you know, you just can't lose games or else you could be down around the bottom, you know? Yeah. Certainly. So, I mean, like, look at the bottom table. Aston Villa are relegated. They're, they're eight points yeah. from safety with nine games to go. They're not going to get out. And then you've got three teams very close to each other Newcastle and Norwich on 24 points, Sunderland on 25 points, and then a bit of a gap uh, to Swansea and Crystal Palace, who are on 33 points. So it looks like um, three of those four teams at the bottom are going to go down Sunderland, Norwich, and Newcastle. Um, along with Aston Villa who like, let's call a spade a spade they're going to be relegated yeah. and it might not be their their first relegation either the, the way that club is uh, going yeah, um, over the next couple of years but um, Sunderland, Norwich and Newcastle battling for survival who do we fancy to stay up who's better equipped over the next nine games I'd say Sunderland to stay up I, Big Sam's an expert at this uh, Newcastle they look I think they should get rid of Steve McLaren now while they still have time He's it's just not working uh, Norwich I don't know will they survive I don't know do they have enough in the squad but I think Sunderland as I said Big Sam's next but I think Sunderland survive What do you think Eden? Yeah Sunderland for me I think uh, the Big Sam factor is there Aston Villa the less said about them the better really I think uh, they were the, those players were strolling around um, at the weekends uh, you know it's just they, they are gone uh, Norwich are gone and it's between Sunderland and Newcastle I think and uh, I think for me Sunderland's there who would we like to see come up then? Um, I, the same token. At the moment, Burnley and Middlesbrough are occupying um, the automatic promotion spots. Then you've got Hull, Brighton, Derby and Sheffield Wednesday in the playoff spots. But there's Cardiff, Birmingham and Ipswich um, not too far off. They're just a point off the uh, playoff spots as well. So very, very competitive as teams look for top six uh, space. So who would we like to see come up? 
Well, if we're to speak from an Irish perspective, I suppose whoever has the most Irish players involved. But uh, for me, I'd love to see um, is Sean Dicey still involved with Burnley there. I was a big fan of him as a manager. I'd like to see. I thought they they were they brought a lot to the Premier League last year. I'd love to see them come up anyway. Yeah, I'd like to see Hull come up as well because we got the car connection there with David oh, Miller. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you know, you'd like to. S- yeah, look, we're going to be looking out for the Irish interest. The more Irish players we can get in the Premier League, the better. So, you know, whoever has the most Irish players, get them up. All right, just looking at the rest of the Premier League's action and a good win from Man City getting back to winning ways. Um, they had a 4-0 win over Aston Villa. Uh, we mentioned Tottenham and Arsenal, which was a very, very entertaining game Saturday afternoon, as wasn't it? Yeah, well, just a quick one there on Man City. Uh, Man City have a game in hand, so if they win that, they're a point behind Arsenal. So if Arsenal are in the Premier League race, Man City are definitely not out of it yet. But the London Derby, yeah, it was a great game. Uh, Harry Kane, goal of the season, was it? It was unreal. Like, the big question I'd have is, I don't think you can start Wayne Rooney in the Euros for England, you know. I think they have to, if England want to do anything in the Euros, they have to get rid of this reputation. And uh, Harry Kane is on super form. And, yeah, like, Tottenham are unreal. Del Alli there as well. It was a great game. Proper North London Derby on Saturday. There's no way Hodgson drops Rooney for the Euros, does he? You know, but that's that's where England's downfall was. You know, they they start Gerrard the whole time because of reputation. They had to worry about Frank Lampard. You know, like they, you have to pick on form. And Rooney, he like he hasn't scored. Now you know he's injured now at the moment. But you know, there's some serious players playing great stuff at the moment. You know, and you have to pick on form. All right, lads. That's the Premier League uh, chat. Uh, Champions League returning tomorrow. Um, we have Real Madrid and Roma. Uh, and Wolfsburg versus Ghent tomorrow night and uh, we also have on Wednesday San St. Petersburg versus Benfica and Chelsea versus Paris Saint-Germain um, PSG taking a 2-1 lead into that one um, how do we see that one going? Well, Chelsea's the big one like, isn't it? Um, uh, that's going to be it's very similar to last last season they played each other was it this time of the year or was it the quarterfinals again this time last year? Um Looking at the being a Chelsea fan, but looking at the last leg, I think PSG have a bit too much from you know it all. I think Gosedic has done a great job. He's come in; they haven't lost now since before Christmas, have they? Um, well, but I think um, yeah, I think PSG might have a bit too much. It depends as well what if Chelsea show up like you know if Diego Costa, what type of form is he in? Courtois, massive player on goal for them, um, but it's going to be that's going to be well worth watching Wednesday night. Yeah, and uh, Real Madrid and Roma look, looks like Real Madrid are true. They've had two away goals as they host Roma tomorrow night. Uh, Wolfsburg 3-2 up on Ghent. I was watching a bit of that game uh, a couple of weeks back. That was an absolute cracker. And Zenit St. Petersburg um, trailing Benfica by a goal to nil, but a home advantage for Zenit is always massive. It is, though, all about the Europa League um, this week. Uh, and that small, small matter of Liverpool versus Manchester United at uh, five past eight on Thursday. Um, as European Cup draws go, this was probably one of the best in recent years. Yeah, it's. Um, the, they've, they've never faced each other in oh, Europe, have oh, they? No, old enemies. You know, it's Europa League where it's at, and Tottenham have a massive game as well against. Uh, I can't yes, yeah. yeah, that's a huge one as well. But this is this is going to be brilliant. Like the second leg is on the following week on Paddy's day. Um, it's like you, <laughs> can, be only, a good day, yeah, you can only imagine the mayhem with that one. But you know, it's it's like the film uh, the other guys. You know, because at the moment Man United, Liverpool, they're not the main guys anymore. You know, but um, they, they'll be they'll be fighting for. Yeah, I think whoever wins it, they could go on a good run in Europa League. And the Europa League is not something to be snubbed at. Like um, Chelsea won it there one year, and then they went on to win the Champions League the following year. You know, other teams have done it as well. So. 
you know, you, you if you can win a trophy, why not win it? So, you know, I think whoever wins this will take a massive step at trying to win it. Yeah, it's looking like Man United's only way to get into the Champions League as well after their uh, defeat to West Brom yesterday. How do you see it going on Thursday, Eden? It's a massive game for both clubs. Um, huge game. I mean, Liverpool have, have been beaten by United four times in a row now um, in, in recent times. Uh, they've lost the Capital One Cup final. That's why I think Liverpool are going to be really, really up for it um, at home in this game. I think it's a lot about the young players as well in the squad. I think Martial, of course, Martial has scored against Liverpool um, already this season. And we've got guys like Origi on the other side as well. So, and the, of course, the two managers, you know, they're, 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 there's an interesting matchup as well. But it's going to be a huge game for both clubs. Massive, massive game. No club will want to lose it. Um, I, think, uh, I think the first leg, certainly, I think Liverpool will have the advantage. I fancy Liverpool to win the first leg, actually. Uh, but then it comes down to the, to the Paddy's Day return. So it's a massive, massive game. Really, really looking forward to it. And was delighted when they came out of the hat for the draw, you know. <laughs> yeah, I've, to be honest, I had little or no interest in the Europa League until that draw was made. So uh, looking forward to sitting down on Thursday night. Uh, just to watch the game, just on United and West Brom yesterday, um, it was poor from United. I mean, like I know they lost one matter to uh, an act of stupidity, absolute stupidity to pick up a second yellow card yesterday. But I mean, like there was talk of a renaissance under uh, Van Hal after the last couple of games, and then they just went back to what appeared to be their default mode um, against West Brom. So. There was talk that maybe Van Hal would stay on after next year after, what, three decent games? Neville's no. shaking his head next to me. No, I, I don't rate him and never did. The damage was already done really previously with him. He's uh, As I said, Van Gaal was into, brought in to do a job now. He hasn't done it. It's interesting the talks on online and on the papers again yesterday that supposedly Mourinho isn't going to get the United job now. It's, they're told Giggs might be getting it. But uh, I, oh I, I, I'd say, oh uh, yeah, I'd say Mourinho is a done deal. I'd say they were probably they're probably going to wait till Pip is in, brought to Man City and then announce him like you said yeah. before to do him uh, one over. That gig story strikes me as something being leaked to cause a diversion. To be perfectly yeah. honest, why would you give the job to Ryan Giggs exactly. just because he was a legend of a player? Exactly, but I think United they got bigger problems. I think um, history means nothing in sport at times. I think they're in danger of Man City and the other clubs pa- put, uh, passing them out uh, big time. I think United, I, do they, you know, they don't have the fear factor. West Brom went at them yesterday. Mm. And I don't think um, if you're a big player, would you go to Man City or Man United? I'd be going to Man City. You know? yeah. so, That's yeah. why you need a manager like Mourinho, though, to attract those star exactly, players. Yeah. Uh, you don't attract that with um, Ryan Giggs. No, to be honest. No, that's that's a very good point you make there. You know, but um, no, I don't. Uh, Van Gaal as well. He's he's the he's, United fans listening to this now going, of course we can. Yeah, but Van Gaal's <laughs> style of play as well is awful. Like a nil nil again at <laughs> half time. You know, but uh, you can make a fortune betting on United not to score in the good, first half of games. Actually, you know that you're good actually because it's uh, it's guaranteed oh, yeah. the whole time. But West Brom are a good side. You know, I. I nearly knew United would be up against it at home to West Brom, you know, because the week before, Arsenal just Arsenal, and they seemed they're just falling, trying to win the Premier League. But um, mm. yeah, no, it was a bad loss again yesterday for United. Barely, I'd say they would, they would still even last if Matter was on the field, you know. All right, lads, we're running out of time, so just briefly running through a couple of things. The Scottish Cup semi-finals uh, bringing up Celtic and Rangers. Speaking of excellent draws. Um, which should be good fun. Um, they haven't had an old firm derby in quite a while, so I'd imagine both sets of fans massively looking forward to this one. Aidan, you're a big Celtic fan. Yeah, that's going to be... Uh, that's the draw <laughs> That's the draw that everyone was looking for in Scotland, really, isn't it? To get yeah. the old firm back together. So, yeah, that's going to be a, a huge game for both clubs. Um, 
you know, it's, 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 it's what Scottish football is all about in a lot of regards when you get the big two teams um, playing off against each other. And of course, in recent years, we haven't had it. So uh, that's going to be a massive game. All right. And Ireland and Italy in the Six Nations this week. We touched on it briefly last week. Um, Neville, what do you want to see Joe Schmidt do this week? What, do you, what team do you want him to select? How do you want him to play against the Italians on Saturday? I'd like to see him mix it up a bit, I suppose. Like a lot of people, it's funny, I, I think Zebo deserves a crack of fullback, in my opinion. A lot of people don't rate him. but He played 11 from Munster at the weekend. You're right, that's interesting, but they have their divided opinion. I th- I'd like to see him bring in a few players. Uh, the young centre for Leinster, I can't think his name again. Um, he's only 20, you know. Ring Rose. Ring Rose, thank you, Aidan. Why not bring him in? But I think what everyone would like to see now, two games left, Italy and Scotland, is two weekends in a row now, and the Six Nations over. I'd like to see Ireland put in two good performances and then let that be it and we'll regroup and regather for the for the summer but the big one at the weekend Rory is uh, Wales v England oh yes that's the 4 o'clock kickoff on Saturday oh yes that's that's going to be a massive game I fancy Wales at that one what do you fancy Aidan? Yeah, I, I fancy Wales. I fancy Wales to 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 do a number on on England in that one. From Ireland's point of view, look, they've they've scored just thirty five points. You know, they've scored just two tries, so Jesus. it's been a very disappointing um, Six Nations for them. So, as Neville said, I think uh, give the give the young blood some more game time in the in the games to come and and try and build then for a couple of games after that. Excellent stuff. All right, lads, that is pretty much from it from us today. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Benchwarmers podcast, a co-production with Corks Red FM. You can follow Benchwarmers and social media BE Warmers across everything uh, you can follow at Cork's Red FM on Twitter at Big Red Bench is our sports show and you can follow Aiden around Cork City if you can find him <laughs> alright folks that's it from us today on behalf of myself Rory and Neville and Aiden.